Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have guest speaker Rajiv Chelladurai conclude our series on the Holy Spirit, Ruach, the Breath of God. Rajiv shares with us from the life of Job on how we can employ the spirit of grace in our suffering and be better for it. He reminds us that the only thing predictable in life is its unpredictability and the only thing certain in life is uncertainty. Such a pleasure to connect with you on this virtual platform. We know that God is omnipresent and I'm sure he's right there with you and with each of us watching this service online. I want to speak to you about life and you know and what I've realized in life is that the certainty of life lies in its uncertainty and the predictability of life lies in its unpredictability. Well that's pretty much what 2020 uh, and the year 2021 up till now has taught us isn't it? Um, we've faced situations and circumstances that we've never seen before. We've never heard of it before. Maybe you've seen it in a sci-fi movie at best or in a book that you've read. But the situations that we face, be it the pandemic, be it um, the loss of life, be it the an economy which is shaking, be it the loss of jobs, be it finances which are driving up, drying up, all of this has come together in just one, one phase of time, together. It didn't give us a choice. Having said that, when you study the role models of the Bible, you see one common trait. All of them had their fair share of problems. None more than Job. Well, Job exemplifies uh, this whole concept of living through unprecedented hardship. And this morning, I want to speak to you a message which is titled, Grace in the Midst of Hardship. Grace in the Midst of Hardship as we examine and as we look at the life of Job. Well, Job, you know, when you look at his life, there was a one day that happened. In that one day, he lost everything. The Bible says he was one of the most wealthiest men who ever lived during his time. But he lost all his wealth. And he had his wealth, uh, you know, in, in different uh, measures, right? He had it in terms of different livestock. Because in those days, you, you measured wealth in terms of livestock, in terms of cattle, Camels and cows and sheep and this and that. So he had an equal distribution of wealth, you know, in all these cattle classes. But everything went off in one day. And if that was bad, well, he lost all his children. He loved his children. The Bible says he would offer a sacrifice and prayer for his children, right? Because he loved them so much, but he lost all of them in one day. And to make matters worse, uh, you know, he lost his health as well. Everything went in one day. See, when you look at Job... Right, you realize that his life can be divided into three parts. Part one, where he's blessed. Part two, where he lives his life under um, severe, severe, severe hardship. And part three, where he is doubly blessed. Part one of Job's life, he's blessed. Part two, he lives under severe hardship. And part three, he is doubly blessed, right? So how did he respond to his personal catastrophe? And what is it that got him through that personal catastrophe? And what is what are the things that he did 
that is life did then just culminate in part 2 of succumbing to a severe hardship but actually went on to a part 3 where he was doubly blessed beyond what part 1 in job's life ever was i want to share with you five principles and as you study these principles these are principles that you and me can actually use and operate with the first principle that i study in uh, in the life of job as you know as he went through his three different parts right and especially as you focus uh, you know on the part between part 1 and part 2 the part where he was blessed and the part where he entered suddenly into a phase of severe hardship we we pick this up in job chapter 1 was was 20 and um 21 and uh, this is the part where he he's just got information where he's lost everything and this is what we read there at this job got up tore his robe and shaved his head then he fell to the ground in worship and said naked i came from my mother's womb and naked i will depart the lord gave the lord has taken away may the lord's name be praised in other translation it says the lord gave the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord that's where we get that that beautiful song from blessed be the name of the lord i want to tell you it it's when you find yourself at the epicenter in the epicenter of adversity and when your faith is tested that is where what you are actually made up is manifested i say that again you know it it's when you find yourself in the epicenter of an adversity like how job found himself in and when your faith is actually tested that's when what is inside what you're made up of actually gets manifested you see it's easy for us to sing songs at during church and you know uh, to jump and worship and i i'm i'm all for it right i'm all for it it's easy for us to speak right sounding christian vocabulary but i believe god is most pleased with our worship during our weakest moments during the storms the tsunamis and the tornadoes of life that is and in that moment if you and me can lift our hands up and choose to worship god you know i believe that is authentic worship i believe that's the kind of worship that god is actually pleased with I really believe the key to inherit our promised land is our willingness to worship when we find ourselves in the wilderness. The key for us to inherit our promised land is our willingness to worship when you and me find ourselves in the wilderness. The song says he gives and takes away blessed be the name of the Lord. That was was a, was a songwriter who was actually quoting Job. what would you do what would i do right when when we face a situation of such terrible loss you've lost everything you've lost your wealth you've lost your family you've lost your children you've lost your health what's your response going to be what's my response going to be well we see what job's response is job said well it's time for us to worship it's time for me to worship and the bible says that he he worshiped god and reminded of psalm 34 and verse 1 and it's an interesting psalm because david is actually you know actually at a very low point in his life and at that point he starts psalm 34 he writes psalm 34 and psalm 34 and verse 1 says i will bless the lord at all times all times 
and his praise shall continually be on my lips he is not saying i am going to bless the lord only when things are good but at all times and his praise shall continually be on my lips and that's what we find in job's life the first thing that he did when he entered the period of hardship was he said i'm going to worship and tonight and today i think some of us need to begin to worship worship is not dependent on your circumstance worship is a condition of your heart it's an expression of your soul we're saying lord situations are difficult circumstances don't matter but no matter what i am going to worship you moving on to the second principle that we see in in job's life a principle where he recognizes the sovereignty of god untold loss untold loss emotionally battered physically in a bad shape mentally low you know uh, financially completely broke but at that point in time we pick it up from job chapter 1 and verse 22 in all this job did not sin by charging god with wrongdoing in all this for me the key words in that line is in all this in all this is what in all this in spite and despite of the fact that he's lost his finances he's lost his health he's lost his wealth he's lost his children his precious children and there can be nothing more devastating for a parent to bury your own child and he's not burying one child he buried all his children and in in all this job did not sin by charging god with wrongdoing in job chapter 2 and verse 10 we pick this up he replied when his wife told him why you still being so righteous curse god and die right as if job job needed encouragement i'm you know he probably is combating a lot of emotions and he's probably combating a lot of internal conversations and then his wife tells him why are you being so righteous curse god and die and he replies in 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 job chapter 2 and verse 10 you are talking like a foolish woman shall we accept only good from god and not trouble in all this job did not sin in what he said in all this in all this he did not sin in what he said you see the normal instinctive reaction when things go wrong okay and i'm not even talking at the the scale of how life went wrong for job but just things go wrong right let's say you didn't get the job you wanted let's say you lost the job you had let's say uh, for i don't know about you but you know pre lockdown days when traffic jams used to bug me right the instinctive reaction is 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 bitterness is anger but the righteous response is to declare the sovereignty of god in all situations and in all circumstances job declared the sovereignty of god how you saying rajiv how do you know that well look at the response to his wife shall we accept only good from god and not evil right shall we accept only good and when he said that he was basically saying my god is sovereign my god is sovereign you see we need to understand the reality that god is sovereign and frankly he doesn't need your permission or my permission he doesn't require that right for him to allow 
any twist in the script of our lives. You know why? Because, because he is God. Job understood this. And not only did he understand that, but he accepted this. So what does the sovereignty of God mean? Well, the sovereignty of God means, we say God is sovereign. You're basically saying God is, he, he does what he needs to do when he wants to do and how he wants to do it. He's completely in charge and he's completely, uh, he, he has the prerogative to do what he wants to do in your life and my life and when he wants to do and how he actually wants to do it. You, you know why? Because his intentions are good. You're probably saying, hey, hold on for, for a minute, Rajiv. How do you explain, how do you explain, uh, you know, a young child, um, you know, having a, a, a terrible illness? How do you explain, you know, an accident that happens out of the blue to good people? How do you explain uh, an untimely death? How do you explain, uh, you know, wickedness by people in power globally? How do you explain all of this? Well, you know, the point is this. We as humans have a keyhole view. It's like looking at life through a keyhole from this side of heaven. But when we get on the other side of heaven, we will have a panoramic view. And we will see life as how God had planned it out. And we'll understand why this happened, why that happened. Today we may have questions, but we don't have answers. But when you get to the other side, instead of having a keyhole view, we will have a panoramic view and we will understand it and we'll appreciate it. And then we'll know why God did what he did. You know, I want to just say this. The author of our life allows different events, situations and circumstances in our life. And these situations and circumstances seem like a, seem like a random dot on a canvas doesn't seem to make meaning. But over time, as you look back at that canvas, the dots have now culminated into an intricate design, which is beautiful. And then you understand, hey, you know what, why this dot happened? How these, this dot connects with the other dot? And look at the beautiful design that has come through. You know what, that's what the sovereignty of God actually does. When you yield to the sovereignty of God, you're actually saying, Lord, I don't understand why you allowed this in my life right now. But one thing I know and one thing I have confidence is in your character, God, and in your goodness. And I know, Lord, that even though I don't understand it, I'm, I know that I know that my God is good and that he will make all things work together for, for my good, even though right now I don't understand what actually is happening. When you submit to the sovereignty of God, you're actually worshipping God for who he is and not for what he gives. That's why many people are so disappointed when things don't work out the way they expected. To, and therefore, you know what? They get upset with God. When you get upset with God and, and when you, you know, you're really saying, God, I don't, ex I don't accept your sovereignty in my life. God is sovereign. And therefore, we need to understand that and we need to accept that. And that's what produces grace in our life as we go through a season of hardship. Even the first point, worshipping in our lowest points produces grace in our life during our time of hardship. The third point I want to take 
take you forward. But before I take you forward, I want to just say this to somebody who's listening to me. Maybe you're in a place where life seems to have broken to a to many pieces. But I want you to remember that Jesus is more than able to put the pieces back together and make something more beautiful out of the, you know, out of this mess. He's going to make something more beautiful. He's going to make something more meaningful out of what seems as brokenness for you right now. The third principle is when you look at life of Job, he was honest with his feelings. He was honest with his feelings. Although Job did not curse God, although Job was careful, you know, not to blasphemy God, but one thing he did, he was honest to express his feelings. He was honest to express his emotions. He was honest to express, you know, the thoughts to God. I want to, there are, there are a few chapters. You pick this up in the book of Job, but I want to take you to two verses. Job chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. Why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before my, any eyes saw me. If only I had never come into being or had been carried straight from the womb to the grave. Wow. These are powerful words. Is this the right thing to talk to God? Is this the right way to talk to God? Is this the right manner to express to God? I want to tell you it's perfectly okay to be honest with God. I'd expect my kids to be honest with me as a father. I'm talking about a heavenly father. And he expects that whether you express it or no, he know, he understands it. And he's perfectly okay with you being absolutely honest with him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him about your fears. Cry your heart out. It's perfectly okay. Because, you know, God is your heavenly father, like I told you. And he's more than able to handle your tantrums, your tears, and even your temper. God is more than able to handle your tantrums or my tantrums, your tears, and even our temper. You see, Job was open to God. You know, he told God how he felt. He expressed it. You know, and God is mature enough to understand. And I want to tell you, God is mature enough to deal with our immaturity sometimes. God is mature enough to, to deal with our honesty. And he expects us to be honest. You're saying, but Rajiv, you know, I need to be right with God and I need to use the flowery language. Yeah, 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 you need to do all that. But you know what? More than that, you've got to be honest with God. There's a book in the Bible, which is actually, I like it in Tamil, right? And I, I know many of you understand Tamil. It actually calls, the book goes by the name as Polumbal. Polumbal. <laughs> you know, in Tamil, the few words of Tamil that I know, the little Tamil that I know, I know some Tamil. But the little Tamil that I know, right, this word Polumbal is often a word that we use, you know, and say, why are you Polumbifying, right? <laughs> Stop this, right? But there's a book in the Bible which is called as Lamentations or Polumbal in Tamil. A book itself is named after that. Why? Because God expects you and me to be perfectly honest with him. And not try to be hypocritical. With him. Not try to be uh, acting out to be emotionally strong and all of that. Right? God expects us to be honest. You know, and, and that is exactly what, you know, uh, Job did. 
That's exactly what David did. Read the Psalms. You'll find the brutal honesty of David. And sometimes when you read those passages, you're wondering, man, now David, how could he even say these things to God? And But you know what? At the end of it all, God looks at David, looks at his honesty and he says, he's a man after my own heart. You know why? Because David learned how to be honest. Job was honest. Hezekiah was honest. Several people, as you read in the Bible, have been honest with God. The point is this. There could be times in your honesty when you don't even know how to pray. I remember when my when our daughter was ill and she was fighting for life at CMC Velour in the year 2016. And we, you know, what we thought would be a one-week surgery actually and a one-week stay in hospital after a surgery ended up in her being there for almost three months and several times in the ICU and so on and so forth. And you know, she almost was she was all the doctors almost at one stage told us be ready for anything. She's not gonna make it. Right. By then, you know, I had gone, got tired because I, you know, I didn't know what to pray. I did not know how to pray. Words failed me. Right. I didn't know what prayer to pray because by now I'd prayed every kind of prayer. It's okay. You can't pray, sing. If you can't sing, put the music on and just worship God. And you know, it's important to surround yourself with people who can pray for you during these times. But the point I want to make to you is, that, you know, it's completely okay and you're expected to be honest with God. God loves your honesty. God loves your authenticity. God appreciates your vulnerability. And therefore, it's it's important to be honest to God. I want to go to point number four. Uh, and, you know, I think every time we're honest with God, every time we're authentic and vulnerable, you know, that's when again we experience the grace of God during our times of hardship. Point number four says, he hoped, Job hoped, despite not having a reason to hope. Job hoped, despite not having a reason to actually hope. How do I know that? I read Job chapter 13 and verse 15. We read this, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Though he slays me, yet I will hope in him. What words? Look at the authenticity of those words. And then if I read uh, uh, Job chapter 19 and verse 25, he says, For I know my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. He hoped despite not having a reason to hope. Where are you in life right now? You know, everything you counted on, is it standing, delayed, not happening, doors closed? But I want to tell you, you got to hope like Job. Even when there's no reason to hope. What is hope? Well, hope is not just any good feeling. Or it's not self-induced positivity. Right? Hope is assurance. It's reliance. You know, to trust on someone or something. And we don't trust on someone or something. Our hope is on God. Who loved us so much. Even though we are unworthy. That he sent his son to die for us. His only son he sent to die for us. And you know, I like that scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Let me read it for you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, uh, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What words? He did not spare his only son. What's going to stop him from doing, giving us 
graciously the things that are meant to be given to us. You see, our hope is anchored on God because of his unchanging character. Our hope is anchored to God because of his unfailing love. Because of his supreme wisdom. We hope in him because great is his faithfulness. We hope in him because his mercies are new every morning. We hope in him because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my thoughts. We hope in him because he turns everything to good which was meant for evil. We hope in him because he's our good shepherd. We hope in him because he never fails nor forsake us. So we hope even when things look bleak and situations look bad and doors seem slammed on our face, we hope in God for the outcome he allows. For the next step during uncertainty. For the provision when we lack. For our future, even though our plans have gone awry. When doubts assail, when danger surrounds, when we are facing death. When friends forsake and plans are shattered. When his promises seem delayed, we still hope like Abraham. Who against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. Against all hope and no reason of hope, Job believed. Let it be said of you and me, that against all hope, in hope, that you and me believed. You see, when we hope in God, despite everything falling around us, we experience the grace of God. During the times of hardship. Let me go to the point number five. And I'll close with this. The fifth thing that Job did. To experience grace. During times of hardship. Is that he prayed for his friends. He prayed for his friends. In Job 42 and verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job. Twice as much as he had before. You see. The ultimate key to unlock the part three of Job. Remember part one blessed, part two severe hardship passed, part three doubly blessed. The key to unlock part three in Job's life, right, was the key part of praying for his friends. So when Job prayed for his friends, God restored double to Job. You see, despite being inundated with a tsunami of of personal woes and challenges, Job still prays for his friends. In the midst of it, he prays for his friends. You see, you and me become complacent to pray for others at most times. But during a hardship, very difficult because our focus is our own, is on our own problems. You see, the, the issue with this is we become selfish, we become, we become narrow-minded, and we become oblivious to the needs of others. Our, our breakthrough lies in being selfless, in being sacrificial, and being generous. That's where our breakthrough lies. In being selfless, sacrificial, and generous. We honor God when we are others focus instead of being self-obsessed. I want to say it again. We honor God when we are others focus 
rather than being self-obsessed. When we pray for others, despite our hardships, I want to tell you that God may just give us the breakthrough. But one thing I'm certain of is that we receive an abundance of His grace because God is pleased with such an attitude, you know, of we being selfless instead of being selfish and praying for the others who are going through challenges themselves. So I want to ask you as I close, who are the people that you need to be praying for? Just perhaps as you pray for them, you may receive your breakthrough. But one thing I'll guarantee you, you'll receive grace during times of hardship. So let me conclude. The Spirit of God will provide us comfort and grace as we acknowledge, as we worship God, we get that grace. As we acknowledge the sovereignty of God, as we choose to be honest with God and be authentic with Him about our feelings, as we continue to hope and as we pray for others. Let's just close our eyes and look to God. Father, we want to thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. We pray, Lord, that this word would continue to stir in our hearts. The seeds of this word will fall on the fertile parts of our heart. We pray that you, everyone who listen to this message will receive the grace that you give during this time of hardship. And the grace will be sufficient, will be overflowing for them. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.